Hello, Aiden. How are you? Hello, Larry. How are you? Are you well? You're welcome to the, the the hurling way. And I'd just like to start off by wishing you and your family and all your friends a happy new year. Uh, the same from here, Aiden, all the way from the little bit of snow falling at the moment, which is great. But hopefully 2021 will be a great year for everyone. And may they all enjoy the new year tonight and in a peaceful and quiet way and look forward to 2021. That's it. And of course, uh, this show is going to be, we're going to be discussing, uh, I suppose, our 2020 uh, Player of the Year and Team of the Year and all that, and Score of the Year uh, awards ceremony. It's going to be all very plush, isn't it, isn't it uh, Larry? All no expense spared this, <laughs> on this podcast. But uh, yeah, it's been, a, as we said last week, it's been a very interesting year um, of hurling, despite the, the, the COVID and all that. But there was some outstanding performances and some outstanding teams as well and uh, you know some some very good scores so I suppose really we'll, we'll start off by um, by doing that I suppose the young player of the year and the, the player the player of the year and the young player of the year so there, there was a lot of people in contention for the, the young player of the year although I suppose with Austin Gleason, he's been there for a good good few years, uh, for you know the last couple of years. So I suppose you couldn't really count him as young anymore. But he'd still be in contention for the player of the year because he played very well for Waterford this season. He did. Uh, uh, yeah, he done, he done quite well overall. Uh, I didn't think he was consistent in the in the opening championship, but uh, as the year progressed, yes, he he did improve. You know, uh, as as we went along, uh, it's the same as Tony Kelly and 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 Keen Lynch and a few guys like that. You know, they they were really <clears throat> showing what were what they were really made of. You know, uh, Tony Kelly earlier on in the championship was really really flying, and of course, when you come up against the big teams, he he was sort of choked out of the game, even though he picked up a big injury. Yes, Austin Gleeson did have a sl- slow start to the year, but he did finish very strong, and and that's very promising for Liam, Liam Cahill and the boys going forward. So. You know, it's uh, it's a bit of a, mostly uh, a very unusual year when you have so many youngsters playing county level. It's very, very strange, uh, Aiden. You know, because uh, back in my day, if you were twenty or twenty one or twenty two, you know, you'd be only barely making the senior panel. And now we've guys eighteen, nineteen, and twenty that are playing inter county hurling. So it's it's getting younger every year, and maybe that's the reason why the game is getting faster and fitter as well. Of course, that's it. And of course, there's some players that are still playing minor and senior, but. That that's where you kind of have to mind those kind of players and don't don't be putting the pressure on them too soon. Like have them maybe a member of the panel and give them the odd game, bring them on as a sub, but not to be playing every game throughout. You know because the I suppose the commitment that they have to give between the minors and the seniors and the under twenty ones it's a lot on them. So you don't want to burn them out too soon. But uh, so who will be your contenders for young player, the young young hurler of the year? <coughs> Well, I, I thought I know he's he's not really that young, but I, I actually thought that Kyle Hayes, I know he's 26 years of age and, you know, he's wing back for Limerick. He's been outstanding all year. You know, he, he's been sort of a, one of the promising stars going forward for Limerick. And yes, he's only, I think he's only 22 or, sorry, he's only 22 or 23 years of age. So he's been outstanding. Uh, he's been one of their most consistent hurlers for the last number of years. And, you know, he, he to, to me, like, I mean, he, he would be my, uh, young player of the year. I know there have been a couple of <clears throat> a couple of other young lads outstanding, but uh, you know it, it'd be unfair to to name twenty when you're when you're only really picking one. And uh, to me, Kyle Hayes would have been my favourite young player of the year anyway. 
That's it. And of course, for the for the herder of the year, then there was uh, several contenders from many different from many different well, counties. I suppose you could well, kick off with uh, T.J. Reid. Um, you know, obviously Austin Gleason, Kyle Hayes again. He could be throwing for that. Garage Hegarty. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a good oh, team, a, a good team that, that you could go for a few on the Waterford team. Yeah, you know, uh, hard, hard enough to pick one out of it, isn't it? It is, it is. When you sort of look back though at the team I've picked for the year, and uh, one of the most consistent, uh, consistent cornerback of all time would have been Sean Finn from Limerick, who to me was uh, was one of the players that was pointed out by uh, Liam Kiley uh, to make sure that uh, that any 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 top marksman um, from any opposition come in, you know, to take him. So he 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 done a tremendous job th- throughout and. You know, to me, he, he was an outstanding defender. Being a, a defender myself, you know, Tyg de Burke would be another one that stands out as well. He's been a, a, an absolute top-class notch for for Waterford as well uh, throughout the year, even though he's he's no, named as a, as a sweeper, but he doesn't really play the sweeper. He plays a, a, a moving centre-back, more or less. He, he he mops up all around him. So, you know, as you say, we've Goroga, Hergerty. You know, you have the likes of Tom Morrissey, who has been outstanding. You are right. Uh, TJ Reid has also had a, had a great consistent game as well with with Kilkenny all year as well and of course as I said earlier Tony Kelly was probably the one shylight in Munster hurling when he was scoring 116 114 13 15 points throughout the championship and to me that that, that would be a, would be a, something that you have to really boast about in, in years to come that you had such a consistent year but I think overall uh, we all know that this guy that played Wing wing forward for Limerick all year has been outstanding. Trying, he, he, his work rate in terms of defence and then in attack as well and his his willingness to, to move around the field and he's not a greedy hurler, he's he's not a greedy guy at all in terms of he likes to bring everyone into play and all on a final day when you score seven points in an All-Ireland final and yes, you could have had another seven but you just weren't selfish enough. You were just throwing the ball out to guys that were in better position and that has to be Corrode O'Higgerty who, to me, was in an absolutely outstanding form all year. Uh, lives on the edge a little bit. Uh, that's what a lot of managers want as well. He's very physical, big and strong guy as well so it's no use being a small man running into him, Aiden, because you'll get nowhere with him. So, to me, he was the guy that stood up uh, the tallest of uh, all all-round uh, performances throughout the year, and that's including Dahi Borg from from Galway. You know, as I said, Stephen Benham from Waterford was outstanding. You know, we, as you said, Kyle Hayes was outstanding. Ty Burke, even Dan Morrissey. So we had a tremendous year overall in terms of uh, performances, and we all would have loved being there to witness it all. But you know, at least we got some kind of pleasure in terms of watching the teams perform throughout the year in the championship. So Craig O'Higgerty. Would have been Garoda Higgerty, sorry, would be my hurler of the year. That's it. And he also got man of the match on the on all our, uh, you know, after the All Ireland final as well. And it was well deserved, not only for the match, you know, not only just for the final, but, you know, when you look at his performances all year uh, across the league, you know, the, obviously the Munster League, the National Hurling League, and the Championship, you know, his, he was he consistently performed very well and you know he, he was the go-to guy in a lot of senses you know that yes the guy there you know if you, if you were the ball and you need you, you were kind of struggling not struggling but if you were 
surrounded by players, he was always the guy that was there to take it off you. To, it, the guy that was always in support and uh, he was always industrious, but he had all the you know his game is all around under the high low ball, the you know his the twisting and turning. Uh, you know he can defend the house, he can run forward. You know he can make runs forward, but he can an excellent reader of the ball. So. Yeah, a very a very worthwhile player uh, of the year, and I suppose moving on now to uh, the manager of the year, and of course I suppose you'd always have to throw the likes of Brian Cody, um, John John Kiley, um, I said Liam Cahill as well did, did well with Tipperary this year, um, a lot of and the new manager for Galway as well didn't do too bad yeah. either. So there's there's several managers of the year or that that could be in contention for this. Absolutely, uh, Aidan, you're, you're dead right. You know, it's I know Liam Kiley more or less <coughs> uh, ra- uh, got, got his troops together again where earlier on in the year um, people were doubting that Limerick would be good enough and strong enough to, to pull through the championship this year, you know, because the, back in this day, you know, even Jackie Kerr from Kilkenny said that Limerick was sort of a one-hit wonder a couple of years ago when they won the, the All-Ireland that he said he could never see him winning back-to-back, but we're all aware of what happened last year. Uh, in terms of Kilkenny's performance again, Limerick, and John John Coyley was very, very, very hurt by that, and he expected a lot more from his players, and he he couldn't really pinpoint exactly what happened on the day. He just thought they were in right, fatally. He said he said they were up for the battle, and he, he got a little bit of a shot in the arm, and of course Kilkenny, no better team in the country to give you a shot in the arm uh, when you think you you have it in the bag. They're the type of a team that would turn you over. So you know that was a. A great credit to, uh, to Brian Cody as well, of course, because uh, as we're all aware, Kilkenny are, are, in today's world are not the team that they were four or five or six or seven years ago when they were when they were sweeping the board in terms of top class performances by the majority of the players that were uh, were lining out for Kilkenny on on the big occasions, you know. And now it's only the last maybe year and a half or two year we spoke about it before that the likes of. Um, TJ Reid, maybe Richie Hogan, yeah. uh, maybe Colin Fenley, guys like that. They were depending on them an awful lot uh, to, to sort of pull Kilkenny out of out of out of the rut, as you say, and try and get him get get him over the line. And you know, back in the day, you had you had you know some of the top hurlers in terms of uh, Henry Shefflin. You had Eddie Brennan. You had Martin coming for the. I could list a, a load of guys that have played. For Kilkenny back in the day, even when Richie Hogan was on song, and you know Kilkenny were no problem uh, for them delivering performances, but for the opposition, the battle with them was a was a was a big task. And in today's game, uh, Kilkenny don't have what to have; they don't have the same ammunition to, in today's game as they had before. So you have to credit Brian Cody for getting the best out of some of the guys that have come into the squad, and they they, they sort of produced. They probably produced a little bit more than than, than was expected of them. That's it, and I suppose you could nearly say Brian Cody was kind of Hurling's um, version of. Um. Yeah, so I was just saying there that um, you know, <laughs> Brian Cody is nearly kind of Hurling's version of uh, Alex Sir Alex Ferguson, as in he always had a, an eye for a great player, even at minor, like our players coming through in minor under twenty one. He wasn't afraid to bring them in and. Of course, when the time was right, maybe if he felt that a few players were kind of aging or, or moving on and they just weren't performing, 
he wasn't afraid to get rid of them, regardless of whether they were big names or whatever. He was never afraid to give youth the chance. And, uh, you know, that, that has been nearly a policy. He's been very cute with players. He knows when to get rid of players and when to drop players and when to bring in new players. And, you know, that, that's been kind of a key to Kilkenny's success since he took over years ago. Yes, uh, I agree with you 100% on that, Aidan, that's for sure. Um, you know, if you sort of look at some of the teams over the last, especially in my, in my time, Hurling with Wexford as well, there was a lot of us that were sort of hanging on a little bit longer than they should have hung on, yeah, and maybe that's down to because we hadn't got enough quality coming through and the manager themselves were, were stretching out uh, a lot of careers for players as well because they hadn't really got the potential coming through. And... Uh, you could you could say that for Waterford and a few other teams as well, but in Kilkenny, he they see a little bit different. Uh, Cody can read the game as as easy as reading maybe a child's book or something like that. That he knows when a player when a player his time is up, <clears throat> he he doesn't hesitate with him. He gives him another one or two little darts at us, and and he he knows himself then that he more or less has a whisper in his ear to say, "Look at your days are numbered now. You can continue on the subs bench for a while, and I'll experiment with these young kids here." Uh, for the National League and the Welsh Cup and stuff like that and you know he, he puts a message into the players head especially the young guys that come into into recognition straight away that he um, the opportunity is there for you now and take it as quick as you can because uh, your career in terms of inter-county hurling uh, can be very short so make the best of it and he, he certainly made the best of a lot of young qualities coming through you know the likes of Gerald Elward <clears throat> to me you know, he would have been one would have been outstanding uh, when he came into the Kilkenny scene there a couple number of years ago, that thought he was with the new DJ Carey or Henry Shefflin, but unfortunately he, he did the cruciate. But then right around the whole board, Kilkenny, of Richie Lahai would, would have been another top-class hurler as well. So Kilkenny are well able to produce him at underage level. And it's all about bringing Coney now, bringing him to the, the promised land in, in terms of uh, getting him to, to play at the top level when it comes to Indra County. Because hurling, in my day, was always a winner. It was all hurling was 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 the number one, but I think in today's game, in today's world, in today's game, uh, fitness, physicality, and a lot of stuff like that means an awful long goes an awful long uh, way in terms of uh, teams performing well and hurling well as well. So, you know, and that's why if you look back over the last number of years, the strength and conditioning courses that uh, players have gone through, um, speed. And everything else that's been added to the game. So, you know, uh, you don't have to be a top class hurler in. If you have a good hand or if you have a good bit of speed, there's a possibility that you, you could get away with it at an inter county level because you could be used as the running boy or the blocking boy or whatever you want to call it in terms of uh, marking guys. You know, back in our day, you know, it was 15 on 15 and if they made the best man win. And if you have a bad day on DJ Carey or someone else, then you, you're pulled aside and you go back and look at yourself. But in today's world now, you can be moved after a couple of minutes onto a different opponent and stuff like that. Fellas can be shifted around. You could be cornerback. You could be wingback. You could be midfield. So you, there's always an extra chance for you in terms of staying on the field longer. But back in our day, if you make one or two mistakes, you're inclined to look over your shoulder and the manager uh, gives you the little curly finger to say, come on, you're off. You're having an off day today. But as I said, in today's world, you know, you get away with all that. And, you know, and Brian Cody had to adjust themselves over the last number of years as well, of course, because of <clears throat> Cork and Clare and, and all these other teams, especially Wexford as well in the last number of years under Davy, He brought a new, <clears throat> a new plan, a new idea, a new way of, uh, of taking on the bigger boys. And, you know, it, we certainly shook Kilkenny for a while and there's other teams around the country, shook other big teams. And it's not until they adapted 
to the high class performance that uh, in terms of uh, changing their ideas Brian Cody never believed in the sweeper uh, but he certainly adapted to it in the last year or two uh, because uh, they've proven that they can really really reach their pinnacle uh, even with an average team and of course <clears throat> he proven it this year again, winning the Leinster title, and you know, okay, they got bo- uh, got beaten by Waterford on a on a, on a day. Waterford pr- performed probably one of their best performances all year. So, you know, you can <clears throat> look around the board. You can look at what Liam Cal did in Waterford. You know, he'd done a tremendous job. He got rid of Morris Shanahan and Willie O'Ca- Will O'Connor or Willie Connors, Noel Connors, sorry, Noel Connors. And uh, a few other guys that he he didn't want in the team anymore. He wanted speed. He wanted athleticism. He wanted a a, a good knowledge of the game in terms of um, catching the ball, striking the ball, running with the ball. So it's always all about possession. So he changed it, and it worked for him. So no one can really say that he didn't. He didn't. He didn't uh, sort of get rewarded for all the as as Dan Shanahan said himself. He, he thought it was a mistake by dropping three or four critical lads but uh, he knew what he was doing and he he got rewarded unfortunately he didn't win he didn't win the, um, any big title so he, he done well so all, all around the board you know you can say the likes of Dublin haven't really changed uh, they've been steady every year in year out and they'll either perform a little bit above themselves but they don't really grab titles they don't grab Leinster titles or month, uh, league titles or anything like that so they'll always sit in that position you know it's the big top teams that have dominated for the last number of years are a little bit choked at the moment now because the likes of Limerick have popped up over the last number of years. And this has been going on, as we said, with John Coyley and, and the Limerick backroom team and, and the Limerick County board and all that, that they, they've set this up maybe 10, 15 years ago and now they're reaping the rewards. So every other county now is looking to see what we need to do. You know, so it's new plans, new ideas, new ways. And it's great having a manager come in, Aiden, but we have to understand there's physical coaches coming in. There's hurling coaches. There's backs coaches. There's forwards coaches. There's goal, goalkeepers coaches. It's unbelievable. There's nearly more in the backroom team now, on, on on any squad now, or any on any county team now in the hour with the squad that's involved. So, it's it's amazing how far it's gone in in depth. You know, so the old way, the old traditional way is get out there and give it your best. Has uh, nearly gone out the window now. So it's a, it's nearly as we're all aware now. It's a 20, 21, 22 man uh, squad now that can you need to have to win anything. That's it, because I suppose really when you when you when you look when you look at management now, the way the way teams has gone and the way hurling and I suppose any sports has gone, but we say hurling and Gaelic football and camogie and ladies football is you know, you can't really have if you're if you come in or if you've been there for a few years uh, and you know your players inside out, there's still cabin the you get on well with the players. There still can't be any room for sentiment. We say if Joe Bloggs was playing for you for the last five or ten years or fifteen years, if he's not if he's not performing this year, you can't afford to have sentiment. You just have to make the the tough decision and get rid of him. And because at the end of the day, I suppose if you want to be successful as a manager or you want the team to be successful, it's all about the team and not about one or two individuals. So yeah, you kind of—I suppose it's really—it's really a life cycle. You have to—it's the progression. You have to kind of new blood comes through, and uh, you know players come come to a certain age, or they might have to retire due to injuries or something like that. And you have to get rid of those, make make way for new players because uh, 
next generation be their chance as well. And that's, uh, I suppose you, you found that too, like in, in your playing days, you did as well. Like, you know, you're involved with teams all, all your life. And next thing it comes to the day where you, you, your body isn't responding to, you know what you want your body to do, but your body won't do it for you. And uh, that's kind of the message. And whether you like it or not, you kind of have to listen to your body. And that, that's, that's kind of, and the ma- managers and coaches can see that as well. Oh, of course. Uh, I agree with that. That's the, that's that's definitely one one issue that goes on around a lot, many many counties here. And if you look at a couple of years ago, a good few years ago now, sorry, I remember Charlie Carter got dropped from the Kilkenny panel. There was uproar in Kilkenny about it. A couple of years later, DJ Carey was uh, was dropped out of Brian Cody's uh, panel because he he wasn't committed to the cause. You know, and I'm just picking out two of the best hurling forwards in the country, and then you can go right around the whole country then and chase into any county. Um, we, we probably don't hear as much about guys in Waterford or guys in Cork or Galway where you've maybe just left the panel or retired from hurling or something like that. And, you know, you're, yeah, managers make a decision. Managers look at their squad. Managers are being advised that uh, these guys are a little bit over the hill. Uh, they're not going to add too much to the team they might add a little bit of experience in the dressing room and stuff like that but you know because of the pressure that managers are being put over uh, put on now when they take over teams that they, they'll have to get racked right together as well and that's why they're bringing as I said fitness coaches and you know they've, they've all sorts of uh, top quality uh, uh, advisors nearly sitting in the back room looking at them and advising the manager to say this fella's not up to it this fella hasn't got the pace anymore this guy you know, they can't do this. This guy can't do that. And this, the manager says, right then, we we we'll get we we'll move him on. I remember a good few years ago, Lord Mercy, my father. We used to be a great shooting man, and we had three or four grey hunting dogs. And he felt that one of the hunting dogs was was holding every all the other hunting dogs back, even though it was the most experienced dog that we had. So eventually, he says, look, we leave Rose. Rose was her name. She was a beautiful dog. He said, we leave her home. And I said, why Rose is our pet? He said, no, no. He says, Rose can't hold these youngsters back. He says. We have to move on. These dogs are going to be top class dogs, and we can't let him slow him down. And I just thought, well, there you go. He says the same thing will happen to me. I said someday when I'm playing hurling, he says, "Don't you fucking forget it." He says, "You know," he says that will happen to you. So just just mind yourself. He said, "Make the best of it." He says, and I I remember back in two thousand one, two thousand and two, we um Tony Dempsey was over Wexford, and we got to we got to an All Ireland semi final. Uh, against Tipperary and I remember he brought to- uh, Martin Story back Martin Story had retired four or five years Tony Emsey brought him back and he brought Larry Murphy back he brought me but I won't say brought us back but he, he sort of more or less took us off the seats off the bench to play us in, in the bigger games or whatever and we went on we drew with Tipperary in the first game and then they beat us in the replay and uh, a lot of questions were going out to Tony Dempsey saying why didn't he bring a lot of these under 21s that had got beaten in All-Ireland the previous year by Limerick why didn't he bring them guys through so there was a lot of question marks over us and of course Tony Dempsey, what he did say on the radio was, he said, well, look, at I had the most experienced team out on the field. You know, and of course, Liam Spratt, the commentator, says, look, at experience don't win you everything, he says, in, in today's world, in today's game. And he more or less nailed it on the head. He says, you can have all the experience in the world, but if you haven't got the legs to carry it, so well, Aiden, that's where you're going to struggle. And, and we struggled for a number of years because there's three or four or five of us that stayed on a little bit too long for Wexford, uh, afraid to give it up and didn't want to give it up. And, you know, Eventually, you realise that. Hold on, now. Le- le- leave, leave the, leave, uh, leave out the back, leave the back door, 
and let someone else get a new fresh blood come in the front door. And Wexford did do that. And in 2004, John Connery took over the previous year we went on to win the Leinster title. So definitely new fresh blood and not too many, not holding on to too many uh, experienced guys can also help as well. Have one or two guys in the back room to drive youngsters on or whatever. But it will, it will definitely benefit now. But I'm talking about guys that were 36 and 37 years of age um, find it hard to give it up. Like myself, I, I just found it most difficult uh, to to drive home that day on my own after announcing that I was retiring from Inter County. It was the longest road home, even though it was only 12 mile or 14 mile away from my home place. It was the longest journey of all time I ever faced. And, you know, thinking that I'll never put on the jersey again, I never never represent my county and stuff like that. So it was sort of hard to take, you know, it's only when you go home and you get up the next morning then and it's breaking news on the local radio, then it's national news and stuff like that. And you say, ah, but sure, look at most of the people that would have had rang and sent me messages congratulating you and stuff like that. And you get over it. You get over it. But Inkle Kenny and Ian Warford this year with Dean Cadle dropping Morris, Shanahan and a few others. And people weren't happy and they're still not happy with it, would you believe it? But, you know, we have to accept it because I was old. In my day, I was old enough to, to accept it because, you know, as I said, Aidan, you have all the experience in the world when your legs can't drag you around the field. Uh, well, then, well, then you might as well call a halt to it. But, in the likes of Kilkenny when Charlie Carter was dropped, he still had two or three years left in him. I remember prior to that, Eamon Morrissey from Kilkenny, one of the top corner forwards played with Kilkenny, he was the same, him and James E. Brennan. Both of them transferred to Dublin because they, they still thought that they had a bit offer. And they did, they played another three or four years for Dublin senior hurling team. So Kilkenny had so much of an option up there that Brian Cody and, and whoever was in charge, Nicky Brennan, these guys, they, they had no issue moving guys on. <clears throat> you know, but in some cases with some counties, you have to hold on to Maiden because you have nothing coming through. <clears throat> Waterford spoke about this earlier on in the year, and in Limerick, <clears throat> they have a lot of uh, a lot of talent coming through colleges in both counties, a lot of experience, and played uh, played minor under twenty one All Irelands. So between them both counties, that's the reason why they're coming back to the top level, coming to the top table now at the moment because they're producing a lot of young, fit, fast hurlers. And most of all, they're actually um, producing success in terms of winning, winning, winning major titles. And we all have to live with that. We're all going to face it down the line because if we don't do nothing about it now, we could be left behind. And I'm in terms of Wexford. <clears throat> we don't want to end up like Offaly. So we, we need to gradually pull youngsters through to, to play our game and help Wexford build on and build on going forward in the future. That's it. And I suppose really that's the thing, nature as a player. I mean, what you just said there about when you when you announced your retirement, it, it is hard to take that you're, you've played for Wexford for so long and it's all you've ever known. And then you, you kind of, it comes to the day where you announce your retirement and then it's kind of, what do you do? And it's it's kind of hard to take. But then and then you go home. But then you kind of realize that right. Well, that side of my life is finished now. But then you you find oh well, I have more time to spend with my wife or my girlfriend or fiance or the kids, and I can do, go go and play something else or do something else. You have more time because it's uh, hard and is <laughs> to play playing at the highest level. Even playing even playing at uh, club level nowadays takes takes up such a lot of time that you. You don't get you don't get to um, socialize, or you don't get to see that much of your your partner or whatever, or the the kids. You're gone a lot of the time, and that's down to the level of commitment that's required for playing sport these days. But uh, I suppose that takes uh, that takes us on now to uh, 
our team of the year and we start off with the goalkeeping position. Um, I suppose, you know, the Waterford goalkeeper made some brilliant saves um, throughout, the, throughout the season as well. His puckouts were on the money. Uh, Prendergast, you know, he, he's, all, he's unavailable as well, I think, this year. Uh, I, read, I read in reports as well. So he, he'd be missing for Waterford. He'd be a huge loss for Waterford. But, um, what, what are the other contenders for goalkeeping? Well, there have been two or three sitting in, in my position in terms of goalkeeping, you know, and you probably look at the, a consistent goalkeeper throughout the year. Yes, you're right. Um, the Waterford goalkeeper, without a doubt, has been very, very consistent, very good, very strong. And, and you know, we also can look at uh, Owen Murphy, even Kilkenny, you know, they, they, people, some people say they had an average year. Imagine having a Leinster title in your back pocket and you're having an average year. You know, it's sort of a little bit sickening down here, even though people say, I know Wexford didn't have a great year, but the first year that Davy came here, the second year we came here, we had a great year, but we had no silverware. Kilkenny got to an All-Ireland final, didn't win the Leinster title because Galway beat him in the Leinster final and they lost out in the in the, in the the final. And and yet Kilkenny had a poor year, even though they had, the year was twice as long as ours. You know, so... Uh, to me, Owen Murphy, I thought uh, the Kilkenny goalkeeper, even though he plays outfield for his club, but I, I thought he was outstanding as well. You know, his agility, his uh, his his uh, his his willingness to come off the line and 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 risk it coming out the field for long tucks and and free takes and stuff like that. So you know, to me, he he he's been excellent. But if we sort of really want to look in depth into a goalkeeper, all you have to need to do is look at Nicky Quaid for Limerick. Uh, he's been outstanding. A uh, very quiet, unassuming guy. He just gets on with his work. Nothing fancy about him. Uh, no showboating. Uh, he's very gritty. He's always shouting, as to say, and that's what you want in a goalkeeper to be getting onto their, onto their, onto his full back line all the time. He's always talking to the guys, but he sort of hurls with a smile on his face. And you know, people. My father said to me, "Keep hurling with a smile on your face. You'll never go wrong." And Nicky was very, very positive. He brought out some, some tremendous saves. You know. Nothing, as I said, nothing fancy about it. Got up, got a save, got up and got the ball and cleared it back on the line and, you know, now spit on the hand and get ready again. So, to me, I, I thought Nicky Quaid, um, when times when Limerick needed to win possession in terms of puckouts, he, he was very crafty, very, very direct. And uh, he, he to me, he was sort of a, a guy that sort of, you know, they often say that, you know, when you're, when you're shooting at a target, you want to make sure you hit it every time. And he, he was certainly able to hit his target with his book outs. And maybe that's the reason why Garod O'Hegarty and Tom Morris and these guys, you know, were, were super in, in their performance because that's where most of the ball was landing in their position. And it's all down to Nicky Quaid giving them great passing, passes out. So to me, Nicky Quaid would have been my number one goalkeeper anyway. That's it. And moving on to the full back line then, and I suppose uh, we start off with the left corner back position. And uh, well, you know, you're spoiled for choice really when you when you look at all the hurlers across the board for all the counties. Uh, you know, when it comes to picking the team of the year, you're spoiled for choice in all the positions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. You know, there, there, there's probably two or three for each each position. You know. <clears throat> and but what you really look at, or what I look at, you know, I look at a guy that's consistent. In, in every game, uh, day in, day out, you know, a guy that's, as we as we spoke earlier, that, that Sean Finn for, for Limerick, no matter who dangerous forward was put in, he was moved around uh, half back line, full back at times, corner back at other times. He was put in to mark the top uh, marksman, you know. So, 
you know, it's a guy like him that stands out most of all. You know, it's not the guy that's real stylish and you know comes out and grabs balls and just drives them out the field or that like that. Sean Finn to me would have been my number one cornerback anyway. Uh, his style, his strength, um, good in the air, fast on the ground, uh, great guy to read the game as well. And most of all, uh, like any any manager uh, expects out of his defenders, make sure your man don't score. It's your job as a defender. It's his goal, his job as an attacker to score. You stop him. You've done your job. But he done over. He went over the top on that. He also he stopped a lot of top class forwards scoring this year. But he also produced some outstanding performances in terms of breaking out of the ball and setting up scores. So to me, Sean Finn would have been one of my top men there for the year, especially at cornerback. That's it. And uh, full-back line, there was a lot of contenders for this position. There were. Uh, to me, there was a toss between Dahi Burke and Dan Morrissey. Uh, you know, Dan was outstanding for Limerick all year. You know, a, a, normally an outfield player, midfield or half-forward line, maybe half-back line at times. Uh, Limerick took a chance on him last year to put him back in the full-back position. And, you know, something he was uh, he was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. But I just thought... Dahi Burke for Galway to me would have been my number three at fullback uh, for for Galway. Noah could break him down. His strength was phenomenal. His aerial strength was was powerful. Uh, coming out, attacking the ball, catching balls, going back over his head, and a great striker naturally off his left and right as well, of course. But he was able to come out and break down guys as well. Guys that were coming through, there was no problem with him putting his body on the line to stop a guy coming through. And he often took a yellow car for the team as well, which is brave at times when you're playing in the full-back position. But I just thought that he bore for Galway to me was was absolutely outstanding. And another guy that normally played out the field for his club, centre-back, I think it was with his club, but slotted into full-back position in county no bother to him. And to be honest, I heard Joe Canning, I heard DJ Carey, I heard other lads saying that he, he's a handful. Tommy Welch, I also heard him saying that, you know, it'd be very hard to get by him unless you tripped him up or tied his lessons together. So, you know, to me, Dahi Burke would have been my, would have been my best fullback uh, all year anyway. That's it. And uh, of course, then there's the other cornerback. Well, just because I spoke about uh, Dan Morrissey, there was no way that I was going to leave him out of the fullback line anyway, because... He he too uh, was uh, uh, neck and neck, as I said, with with, with uh, Dahi Burke. And the reason why Dan was maybe a neck and neck with Dahi is because he played an extra game or two more than Galway because that got beaten in the semi-finals. So you know, uh, Dan Morrissey was was outstanding. He was strong, physical as well. Very same as Dahi Burke. So you know, either of them could have played fullback or cornerback. But I just went for Dahi Burke because he was most consistent in fullback all year. And of course, Dan Marcy, another one that was solid in defence, and another one that would would uh, would certainly wouldn't let you walk in anyway without giving you a belt on the knuckles or belt on the knee. And you know, he's the one that he he'd stop any man coming through, and he did that all year. And that's the, maybe maybe it's the reason why Limerick didn't concede that many goals as well. Of course, I know Nicky Quaid was outstanding, but. Uh, to me, Dan Morrissey w- would have been a uh, w- would have been one that you could say, "Well done, Dan. You're the man." So Dan Morrissey, to me, would have been my uh, cornerback, the other cornerback. That's it. So I suppose uh, that's the full back sorted and the goalkeeper's spot. And now on to the on to the half forward, on to the half backs. And this is a, you know this is a really one of the key one of the key lines in the in any team is the. You know, I suppose it's springboard for the attacks, really. But I suppose in the modern game, though, you, you know, you see even the full backs coming forward and kind of creating chances. They're not afraid to come forward as well. So I suppose 
could near, you, you could nearly say that you you could put full you, you could put people from players from the full back line into the half or into the half back line now. Yeah. You know, players seem to be. Yeah, you can move them around the board now, Aidan. There's no no problem with that, you know. And there are certain players that can play in the forwards. There are certain players that can play in the backs, and certain players that can play all all, all over the field, you know. So. You know, it, it's very adaptable now. The game is itself, you know, and it's nothing to do with uh, the, the size of the, uh, the the fight in the man. It's more in the dog, you know. It's the size of the, you know, the the dog and the fight more or less at times, you know. And it, the whole thing changes around uh, as years progress as well. You know, uh, managers are not afraid to put a small man in full back. They're not afraid to put, you know, a, a big large man on the edge of the square. They're able to, they're able to move it around a bit more now, and you know. When you have the likes of Garota, Higgetry, six foot four or five or something like that, playing wing forwards, you know, and you're a little Tommy Welch from Kilkenny, four foot two, and you'd often come out and you'd be looking up and say, Lord, how in the name of God am I going to catch a ball on him? You know, but that's why managers have have uh, a good quality um, um, support around them in terms of playing players in the best positions. And that's why Liam Coyley, to me, or John Coyley, sorry, uh, come up with trumps this year, especially putting Kyle Hayes. He would have been my one of my wing backs. Kyle Hayes to me was probably one of the finds of the year in terms of going back wing back for Limerick, an outstanding athlete, uh, brilliant hurler, left and right, scoring every day he goes out, uh, attacking, putting the defence under pressure. His the opposition defence under pressure every time he gets the ball, he's gone up the wing, opens up the fence, sets up play for Tom Morrissey, sets up play for Goroga Hegarty. So. To me, he, he would have been one of my outstanding players uh, for this year as well. Uh, but uh, there's no question about it. Kyle Hayes, to me, would have been a player that could play in any position in the in the in the in the, in the backs anyway. And of course, if you want to throw it up to the far end of the field, he, he could play anywhere in the forward. So to me, Kyle Hayes would have been one of my top men. And of course, I have to mention this guy here. He's been outstanding for Waterford for the last number of years. Uh, probably known as a sweeper to many people. But in, in the modern game now, we know that it's not a really a sweeper's uh, game that they call it anymore. And Davey tried to change that idea that the sweeper that he's using is not really a sweeper. It's, it's a it's a an, a an attack and defence role that a major player plays, uh, just sweeping up behind other uh, the half back line and in front of the full back line. And to me, I just thought over the last three or four years, Tiger the Burka for Waterford to me was absolutely outstanding. The reading of the game, his commitment to the game. Uh, his willingness to put the body on the line, pressurising himself in terms of uh, committing himself into tackles and stuff like that. And, you know, his ability to set up scores, uh, running with the ball, chasing with the ball. We've seen him on umpteen occasions, breaking right down through the middle, throwing the balls out to, to a guy that's standing on his own and a guy taps it over the bar and the guy taps it over the bar gets gets the credit because his name goes on the scoreboard. And yet I go at the Burkers after running 50, 60 yards, taking heavy knocks and throwing the ball out to, the, uh, to his... Uh, one of his own teammates uh, tap it over the bar, but to me, I thought Tyke the Burke was a uh, was absolutely immense all year and for the last number of years for Waterford, and that's why you think he's a top class hurler. Very same as Kyle Hayes, uh, plays a little bit de- uh, deeper than Kyle Hayes, and he don't attack as much as Kyle Hayes does. And but overall, he he's been tremendous. It's one that Liam Cal got right again this year. He, he maybe he's he he's dropped form a small bit last year. Uh, it's because the freshness uh, of other players around him wasn't there. And when he when they did introduce a little couple of fresh legs into the half-back line with Waterford, uh, Tyke de Burke was able to commit himself a bit more. And that's why, to me, he he was outstanding all year. 
That's it, and of course, so that's the that's the left half back and the and the centre half back, and now we move on to the final. Uh, yeah, well, to me, it, yeah, uh, sorry, and to me, it would have been uh, Dermot Burns from Limerick. Absolutely tremendous again. One, another one, big, strong, physical guy, great under catching ball, uh, a fantastic free the ball at 100 mile an hour every time he hits the ball. Once again, he never lets his team down. Uh, works His work rate is phenomenal, back in the full back line. Uh, taking a lot of ball off off the full back line, carrying the ball out the field, setting up scores. Himself and King Lynch, uh, King Lynch worked very well together in working down along that side. So to me, I, I thought Dermot Burns was probably one of the most consistent uh, halfbacks all year. And and reason why I say that, if you go back and look at the record, I don't think there was too many scores scored off of him all year. So to me, Dermot Burns would have been uh, uh, would have been uh, number number uh, number seven on my list in terms of uh, one of the best defenses uh, in the country all year. That's it, and of course, moving to the moving to the midfield pairing, and this is uh, you know this is more or less the key, really, the key position. Uh, in the team, for for from the point of view of puckouts and uh, winning possession, and uh, you know another area where where attacks can be, uh, you know, and scores can be created from. As well. Yeah, well, we talked about it here in year out. We're still talking about it in terms of any sport. It's the link bend. We call it the link bend now. The link bend that are able to get back into the the half back line defence, help out their help out their old buddies, as they say, in terms of getting back and doing a bit of donkey work and a bit of covering and stuff like that. And then when it comes to attacking, they're able to do the same at both sides of the field, uh, defence or attack, that they're able to uh, take their opportunity and support in terms of uh, helping out uh, uh, you know, the, the, their own guys that are in trouble. Their, their work rail is phenomenal. Uh, both of them are skillful. Both of them are fast. Both of them are, are clever. Um, they're able to they're able to link between one another. To me, is is a big big statement for 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 a team manager to say that these guys really pull the guys in together and they really work one another and they work so hard for the team that they don't get the credit for it. And on occasion, we have one guy that maybe scores two or three points every game. Uh, the other guy who would be a guy that we'd be setting up more scores and take the odd point. And uh, to me, that would be Jamie Barron from Waterford. His link between both defence and attack has been tremendous. His work rate is great. Not a greedy player. Works his socks off. Um, takes the opportunity if it's there. But overall, he's he's a great guy to set up guys inside. So to me, Jimmy Barron, uh, for not only this year but the last number of years, he's been outstanding. His I know for a fact his work rate down in Waterford. They're, they're always talking about him that he works constantly on his game and it works constantly on his fitness and stuff like that so you know you, ha- you ha- always have to give a fellow a bit of praise for not only hurling well on the field but also putting in the tremendous effort to keep himself fit and sharp and stuff like that so to me he would be he would be my number eight on his back anyway and of course Keane Lynch for Limerick would be would be probably one of the most outstanding midfielders all year again people say he goes quite in a game because he doesn't score but yet he's able to set up scores his work rate, bringing guys into play, his little trickery, his flick work, uh, his skill work, his uh, technique is good. He's just an all-rounder. You know, he's another guy who can play a half-back or half-forward or anywhere like that. But he, he's to me, was a key link of Limerick winning this year. 
Um, running at, at, at attack, you could see him on umpteen occasions. Aiden, if you look back over the championship, he got in on numerous occasions to try get a score, get a goal, or something like that, or threw the ball into someone else to take take it, take a pop at the goal and stuff like that. So to me, he would have been the guy that drove a team on. And they often say a team that's going forward all the time is the hardest team in the world to stop. And I tell you now, he was the one that dragged Limerick through thick and thin at times when it got a little bit shaken, a little bit nervous, especially against Galway. He really stood up Trump and he really ran at the Galway defence. And of course, in the all Ireland file, he done done the very same. So to me, King Lynch would have been uh, definitely my top hurling uh, midfielder for the year. That's it. And of course, moving on to the half-forward line and uh, again, spoiled for choice as well. Spoiled for choice on this line. Yeah, we have. And I'll go through this one fairly quick, Aiden, uh, because uh, to me, I don't think there was too many lads though that would have would disagree with me now. Probably three of the top forwards in the country uh, produced outstanding performances. Consistent scoring, which to me was the most uh, most telling thing of all. You know, these three players, whether it was from freeze or play, for their work rate, uh, for pulling their team out of a hole when they got, when they got in trouble, and uh, for guys that were cool, calm, personified. Uh, this, this is the only way I can really mention these three guys. They're really, really still up. Uh, the, the, the pride in their jersey, Aiden, sticks out so much to me with these guys. Uh, the work rate that they actually do, uh, is, it goes on, untold. You know, that people don't really think much about their hard work. They just think what to score on the scoreboard. But, you know, and I'm talking about Tom Morrissey for Limerick. Absolutely outstanding. Gets through so much work. Gets incredible scores from incredible positions. And he drives the team on all the time. He's willing to go forward, the same as Keane Lynch. You know, he, he he every time he gets the ball, he only thinks of score, score, score. He's not afraid to throw around the ball, but he's certainly well able of taking scores. So Tom Morrissey, for me, would have been uh, one of the best for- wing forwards in the game. And, of course, TJ Reid for Kilkenny. What more can you say? Another outstanding year. Uh, worked his socks off for Kilkenny when times looked a little bit dull. We spoke about Kilkenny earlier. Uh, when they had top-notch forwards uh, prior uh, to to the last two or three years, they, they had forwards that anyone could win a game for them. But in the last year or two or three years, TJ Reid has been the marksman for Kilkenny. They always look forward to they always look forward to him playing. Uh, they also put a little bit of pressure on him because they often say if TJ Reid don't hurl well, Kilkenny will struggle. But Leinster final, All Ireland semi final, he really pulled them through with some top-class performances, top-class scores, and, of course, you know, another guy that's not really greedy and works his socks off for the team. If you go back and look at it, I'm only talking about guys that sometimes forwards are forwards. They'll only get the ball, they tap it over the bar, and they're happy to go home with six or seven points and, and you know, get their name on the paper or get their name on the scoreboard. But TJ Reid will put 110, 115, even though he is a free-taker, but he'll also give an all-round performance for his team when he works his socks off moving around the field. So to me, TJ Reid, no question, uh, deserves centre-forward position. And of course, we spoke about the big man himself, the mighty giant, the jolly green giant. He's known down in Limerick at the moment. The guy that, to me, was definitely the hurler of the year, yeah. most consistent, uh, hard-working, uh, lives on the edge of times. That's because he's big, strong and physical, you know, and as I said, he looks down on smaller men, not in a meanful way, but in a way to say, "Well, there's no use you coming near me today because there's certainly you're not going to, you're not going to get a, a, anything off of me easy today." And 
we're going to make sure that you don't get anything soft as well, he says. So to me, a Garodo Hegarty would have been my hurler of the year. Plus, uh, definitely he deserved to get a uh, wink forward for his consistent, hardworking, high-scoring performance all year round. To me, he would have been my number one anyway from the start. That's it. And of course, uh, moving on to the full forward line. And uh, I suppose looking at your full forward line, has there been any kind of space for the great man? That is no, unfortunately, uh, I, I marked him out of 10 and I gave him nine, 8 out of 10, sorry. Overall, he was outstanding. In he was... Um, he didn't get as many scores from play this year. I know he was scoring average eight, nine, ten points from from play, uh, from freeze and maybe two or three scoring in from uh, from uh, um, freeze and stuff like that. So, but I just thought overall, um, Galway looked a little bit sluggish this year. They did work hard. They did perform at, at a certain level, but Shane O'Neill. Uh, the Limerick man that's training Galway, he says we were missing 10 or 15%. He says there was something missing there. We're not sure whether it was the supporters or uh, whatever it was. He said there was something missing. And when he was talking about that 10 or 15%, well, I actually put it down to a lot of players on the field were, were a little bit below average. They weren't really hitting uh, the high levels that they normally do. You know, and maybe that's the likes of if you look at Connor Wheel and Corner for for Galway, he started off bang with with a great uh, season, and all of a sudden his season sort of slowed down. Joe was the very same. There was times that fellas were asking in social media, "Did Joe go away at halftime? Did Joe turn up at all?" You know, there's times Joe goes quite in the game. And there's times when Galway needs him and nothing happens. And it, that's why there was a little bit question marks over this year, even though he did score, as I said, 10 or 12 points throughout the year. But I just thought overall there was a times that he was missing a little bit too often in the game. Now, it's not his own fault because the player wasn't around or he wasn't in action in terms of uh, getting involved himself uh, deeply. Maybe he should be put on the edge of the square when they needed him. I know he picked up a bad injury again, Limerick, come to the tail end of the match and stuff like that. But... I just, I just, I just thought myself overall that he was just unlucky to lose out. And to me, the go if you flip that over and look at Tony Kelly, would have been my man, Mister Consistent, Mister Top Score all year, um, never let his team down. He got injured in the in the in the quarterfinals when he went over on his ankle, but his scoring on average one sixteen, one eighteen, one fourteen, eleven or twelve points. In, in them games that is tremendous leadership um, the, the display that he gave again Wexford was phenomenal the display that he gave again Waterford would you believe it in the first round was phenomenal and all round all round, uh, to be honest it was absolutely a pleasure to watch him he was like a guy that was running on fresh air his ability to score over the head scores his ability to score frees that he shouldn't have scored you know People have to go back and look at it. I know it's the only players I would have played. Joe Canny would have been on the edge of the square, but I just thought Tony Kelly gave that that fifteen or twenty percent more than Joe did. And you know, Joe could turn around again next year and 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 do that for the, for himself or whatever. But it's just because Tony Kelly lit up the championship in around at the time the championship didn't really seem to hit form, where people were doubting that these games really matter anymore, do they matter anymore? There's no crowd, there's no atmosphere. When you start to look at Tony Kelly's performance, I just thought he was the, he was the top man. I thought he was the top notch. And 
to me, he would have been my number 14. He could have played wing forward, he could have played midfield, but I just put him in there because he deserved to get a position in the round there. And of course, uh, both sides of him, there was two guys, uh, certainly one that, that stood out more than anyone else. When when Warford really needed him most, when, when people really uh, asked questions about this guy, uh, people just thought for a number of years he was happy enough to go out and hurl, uh, get his couple of scores on the board, and then maybe pull down the socks and say, well, I've done enough for a day. But this year was a year that Liam Cahill got the most out of Stephen Bennett for Waterford. Mr. Consistent free taker, Mr. Drive everyone away from you in terms of strong physicality, not afraid to run at the fence, brave in every tackle that he went into, but... He was just consistent. He was on, uh, I must say, Aaron Galan for Limerick was the very same, but I just thought Stephen Bennett done a little bit more uh, on Aaron Galan this year, even though the prior, previous year Aaron Galan was outstanding, but I just thought this year Stephen Bennett done a little bit more the same way Tony D- K- Kelly done a little bit more on Joe Canning. And that's the reason why I went for Stephen Bennett. You know, I just thought he he was started off slow in the championship, but as soon as he took off, he was like a jumbo jet going and there was no stopping him. And he kept dragging Waterford in, especially that high-class second-half performance against Kilkenny, where no one could really stay with him. He more or less put his hand up in the air and said, come on, guys, I'm up for this. Are you coming with me? And he was the one that dragged Waterford through that semi-final. So... No, to me, Stephen Bennett was was probably one of the most consistent forwards that Waterford had all year. That's it, and uh, that's finally on to the the corner forward position, which is, uh, you know, there's uh, like all the other positions, there were several uh, candidates that you could have put in there. Well, look, you're you're dead right. There's a lot of candidates around the country, you know. Uh, there was a toss up here. Would you believe it? It's unusual to play this guy in this, or <clears throat> unusual to play a guy that I had picked in this position. And then I said, maybe not. Maybe I'd have to push him back out the field. And then maybe I said, maybe he doesn't deserve to be in, at a corner forward. So unfortunately, I couldn't really stick in Austin Gleason there. I did my best to throw him in there. But <clears throat> I was reading an article the other day on him and how well he's approached himself in the last year and a half or two years. How well he's more or less behaved, and I don't like people saying uh, well behaved himself because Austin Gleason to me would have been a top class hurler, but I don't think he was a, a too consistent in all games. When you sit back and look at it, uh, he did show up in some occasions when Warford were going well. He he went well with him, but when Warford sort of sl- went sluggish and the performance went sluggish, well there was no sign of Austin Gleason, and maybe that's a little downfall that he has to adjust to. Maybe. The fact that he was put into the forwards uh, and it didn't really suit him until he got a bit of a rhythm going. But I don't think he was a natural forward, so I don't think it was right to put him in, especially in front of young Shane Hutchison from Waterford. Absolutely a bomb. He was phenomenal. The speed, his work rate, once again, high-class scores. He was a thorn in every defence. I was talking to Tommy Welch from Kilkenny there a while ago. Uh, he just rang me about uh, doing a, doing a little pro- podcast with him, and he I, I was just saying to him about the forwards. He said, "Larry, look at there's many forwards you can stay with, but there's certainly one forward that you never stay with." And he said that that's Shane Hutchinson from Waterford. His speed, his work rate to work from one side of the field to the other field. He is able to pick up scores. He is able to catch a ball for, at speed. 
but he he got two or three tremendous goals all year as well. But he was the most consistent forward that was talked about going into the All-Ireland final. There was very same as him as Aaron Galan. If you get a ball into his hand, twenty or thirty yards. From, from the full uh, from the goal he's the type of lad that would rip a net open any time he was one that had to be watched day in day out he also had to be put under pressure in terms of maybe putting two men on most of the year most of the year so to me I, I just thought Shane Hood is him from Waterford the guy that came back from England uh, from a professional soccer point of view he he, he more or less uh, uh, Blended well in with Mount Sy- uh, yeah, sorry, with uh, Ballygunner when he came back in. Uh, he was called into the water for setup only early in the year, if everyone remember. But he took off and he really lit up the championship earlier on in the year. But he was consistent. He was a danger man. He was one to watch. You know, it was sort of every time a ball was coming in, everyone was looking over their shoulder to see where he was moving. So to me, because of his, his some of his outstanding scores, and his ability to bring guys into play. And earlier on in the year, he got two or three outstanding goals. And to me, he would have been one that definitely deserved to get corner forward. So to me, that would have been my team of the year, Aiden. You know, so I just thought, I was been fair to everyone. I tried to explain as best I could. There is a few other lads that could look in there. But then again, I, I, I'd be making up excuses for other lads to be missing out. But that, to me, that would have been my team of the year. And... Uh, I'd say, you know, if you put that team out in the morning to play against any other team in the country, you'd find it hard to beat us. That's it. So we, we just run run through the team. We won't explain each player or whatever. Just just kind of read the names out from number one to right through to number 15. So the team... Mickey Quaid. In goal. Sean Finn, Limerick. Dahi Burke-Galway, Dan Marcy, Limerick. Dermot Burns, uh, Limerick. Tyg de Burke of Waterford, Kyle Hayes, Limerick. King Lynch of Limerick, Jamie Barron of Waterford. Tom Morrissey, Limerick. TJ Reid, Kilkenny. Garod, Ahegarty, Limerick. Stephen Bennett of Waterford, Tony Kelly, Clare, and Shane Hutchison from Waterford. That's it, and I, I think in fairness to you, Larry, there, you know, you know, you, you did that. That was a very good, uh, you know, team of the year, and it'd be very hard. You couldn't really say that there's any player there that don't deserve their place in the, in the fifteen, you know, in in, in that fifteen, and uh, and like like I said at the start, there, I'd like to wish you and your family all the best for the for the new year, and hopefully you keep you keep healthy, happy, and healthy in, in uh, 2021, and. Uh, uh, avoid avoid um, COVID as much as possible, and uh, also, you know, hopefully there'll be there'll be Harlan will be back again. And thanks very much for all the uh, the interviews in twenty twenty, and we look forward to doing. More thanks, Aidan, very much. And I also want to wish you and your family, and all your great listeners, uh, a happy and peaceful new year. Uh, and as you said, hopefully twenty twenty one will be a year that we'll all look forward to, and we're able to get out and enjoy life once again. And thanks a million for, for your support, Dan, as well, over the years as well. And I'm looking forward to next year. And maybe, you know, as I said, if this all calms down and everything goes according to plan, Aidan, I'll pay a visit up above to, to one of the senior hurling matches up there. And uh, I'd love to do a bit of commentary on it with you. That'd be, that'd be lovely. And uh, what we might do next week is we might, uh, or one of the weeks is we might do a prediction show. So, like, what we, you know... Our no problem. Looking forward to it. Everyone. No problem. Thanks very much. And that was...